Support for this podcast is provided by Cressa. Cressa is the occupier's champion, the world's premier corporate real estate advisory firm, exclusively serving startup businesses and major global organizations alike. As a Portland pillar for over 25 years, Cressa partners with its clients throughout the entire project lifecycle, from workplace strategy and discovery through the deal transaction and project management delivery of space. Cressa partners without conflict and applies integrated expertise to make your business better. Go to cressa.com Portland to connect with the Portland advisory team. From that cast creative, I'm Dan Bruton, and this is the PDX Executive Podcast. A show where I talk with inspiring leaders who are shaping the future of Portland, Oregon. Every week, I sit down with business executives, startup founders, and community leaders to dive into their career journey and get insights into the impactful work they're doing in our slice of the great Pacific Northwest. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to PDX Executive Podcast. We're back, 2021, first episode of the new year. Uh, very excited to have a next guest, uh, Tim Jakobowski, who's the principal partner for KPMG's Portland office. Welcome, Tim. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, thanks for having me. You know, I wanted to have you on uh, for, for several reasons, uh, just to learn more about you know, KPMG's presence here in Portland, how big you are, the kind of the work you do. But I think you're really well positioned uh, with the work you do with clients t- to share some learnings from 2020, specifically yeah. around the acceleration of digital maybe. Uh, and so we'd love to start if you could just give a little overview of yourself and you know your, your role at KPMG. Sure, Dan. Again, thanks for, for having me. And so I'll, I'll start, I'm an Oregon product. I grew up in Klamath Falls. And I'm I grew up in Grants Pass. Actually, oh. I claim it's Merlin. I don't know if you want to go that deep somewhere again, but uh, yeah. it's a suburb of Grants Pass of about a thousand people. Anyway, it's very cool. So yeah, two Southern Oregon kids, and you know I'm I'm proud to call this place home. So I went to Oregon State and I studied MIS, uh, the College of Business, and I graduated 17 years ago. And, and prior to joining joining KPMG, I interned at a Fortune 500 company, helping them implement SAP. And then, you know, I started full time right out of school here 17 years ago. And so, as you said, I'm a partner in our advisory arm here in the Portland office. And here we have just over 40 people in our advisory practice, and we've grown significantly throughout my career. So I, I like to, you know, think that we're known for our inventive thinking. And um, we have a variety of professionals here that specialize in technology, audit, uh, tax supply chain, human resources. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I, I think we pride ourselves on um, helping our clients, you know, find ways, uh, you know, to to compete better and to, you know, just do, just do a better job. Yeah, well, let's talk about, I mean, specific to Portland, because obviously for the people, I think most people are aware of KPMG, global company, yep. big all over the world. Portland's a pretty mid-sized, uh, you know, market. So what kind of um, work do you do mostly, I guess, on the advisory side? Could you, can you share? Is it mainly around yes. the risk or uh, I'm curious? Well, I sit squarely in technology risk. And so I help both our external audit clients and uh, consulting clients. So, um, you know, squarely, like I said, consulting uh, around tech risk, internal audit, those types of services. Okay. Um, how has the market changed since you've been here? In Portland, and I'm talking specifically around just the growth of Portland and the types of businesses you you're working with, and uh, I'm curious yeah. about that. 
uh, it's been really interesting. I mean, if you just look at with the announcement with Clear just you know yesterday, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, Portland's been kind of the, the land of fire since I've, I've been here. And, you know, I'm actually sitting in the Wells Fargo Tower. This used to be Willamette Industries headquarters where I'm sitting now. And, you know, since I've been here, just going through the list, we've, you know, we lost Tektronix, Mentor Graphics, uh, Fred Meyer, Willamette Industries. Uh, it's just been a really interesting dynamic that's happened with, um, with Portland, you know, and that's just to name a few of the, the acquisitions. But in addition to that, I mean, there's, Portland's such a great place. We have, you know, so many talented people. It's just a great place to live. The workforce here is, is very talented. So it's also, uh, you know, the, the companies that are here and are doing business here, you know, have, have a great asset pool to, to pull from. Yeah. I mean, it's funny uh, us being from Southern Oregon, this is the big city to us. <laughs> I, I still feel that way sometimes, which is ridiculous, but so, but it's cool to be plugged into KPMG, which has kind of some global resources. So how do you work with your colleagues, um, in the other offices, or are you pretty independent? No, it's um, it's a, a pretty seamless uh, group actually. So I spend a lot of my time on the entire West Coast. I work, uh, you know, in Seattle probably forty percent of the time when I'm okay. able to travel, okay. and all the way down to you know the Bay Area, and I have clients as far east as, as Boise and, and in Montana. Mm-hmm. So I, I, you know, I work very closely with our Seattle office. We have. 150 advisory professionals up there, 400 people in that office, mm-hmm. and um, Salt Lake City. And so it's, it's you know, on the West Coast, it's a pretty tight group, and, and we share resources and, and expertise amongst ourselves. Yeah. Well, this is a good, you know, point to ask. You're, you traditionally travel a lot, and now you're here. How has it changed the way you work and your, your team? Yeah, that's a, a good question. So I think, you know, one of the biggest things that I learned was, Working remotely is a skill that had to be developed. And what I, I mean from that is, you know, we just we just didn't do that a lot in, in this business, right? We are as a professional services firm, we're people business, we're, you know, working with clients face-to-face interactions, and that changed like for everyone overnight. Mm-hmm. So, you know, some of the the learnings that that I discovered was, you know, maintaining my, my schedule, my routine. Uh, seeing my team, how they how they had to do that too, and, and some of the things that they looked at, and I think you know I was talking with one of my um, one of the senior associates on our team, and, and one of the takeaways they had, and I actually wrote this down, was they assume positive intent when they're interacting with people, you know, because they're not able to read body language as easy, you know, they may not have video conferencing on, and so just being open to constructive dialogue, assuming positive intent has been, you know, a great asset for them. I thought that was a really good takeaway. Hmm. Yeah, I didn't really think about that. You know, it is, and I like how you framed it as a skill. Yeah. Because it is, it's, it's, it is, you know, paying attention to the body language. Like you, like, I do a lot of, or used to do a lot of in-person things. I'm the person back in the day, you know, 10 months ago, would never turn on my video. It's <laughs> like, I just don't, I'm not, I don't do that. And it is something I've had to really develop over the past 10 months, even doing this. Uh, it, I always prefer to do it in person. So I, I like how you frame that. Um, was that something KPMG really um, kind of took a took the reins on of saying it is a skill and trying to kind of teach everybody, or is it just naturally we got to get well, used to it and learn? Or the reality of it is, it happened so fast. We were in the office one day, and then you know our clients started shutting down, and then we we did the same. So. I mean, it just happened so fast. It was, it was almost learn as you as you go, right. and yeah. then share the lessons as you're working um, amongst yourselves. And I think the other thing too that I've observed has been really 
interesting, and it'll be great to see how this goes going forward, is the the blending of work and life, you know, has just become commonplace and it's it's the norm now. So it's not uncommon to to be on a call with a CEO or CFO of a company and be interrupted by their children yeah. or have a dog or cat, you know, interrupt the meeting and that and that's become socially acceptable right now. And so that's been a, you know, that's a good thing I think that's come out of this is we're acknowledging, you know, people and their lives outside of this because we're having to work in, in our homes. And it breaks down walls. Like, I mean, especially for what you do, you're, you're partnering with, you know, senior executives at companies and where before there might've been a little more of a wall, you know, when you're doing that work and going to their office or whatever, it, it is nice to have that and humanizes people a, a little bit. I found this, these past 10 months. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, well, let's kind of shift to some, some learnings maybe from your clients you can, you can share. Obviously, like I said, this hit really fast one day everybody's working in person and the next day, um, you know, everybody's dispersed. Um, do you have some clients that made it through this really well that you can share and, and maybe even some companies, industries, they're still hurting and some things that you can share that you're helping. Yeah. So I think we've seen, I mean, one of the, the positives you can say this is, you know, as a result of this is the acceleration of technology and the compression of, just a, a lot of change in a matter of months. And, you know, many of my clients have stood up new technologies uh, to meet the new ma- demands on them, whether it's, you know, new technology to, you know, have virtual conversations like this uh, quickly or new platform for direct to consumer because they're, they're having to pivot very quickly. Mm. Uh, you know, there was a, there was a, a study I just read recently, it was a McKenzie study, I think, where uh, companies said that they were able to, respond to working remote 40 times quicker than they believe they could before the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And, and that's just a testament to, you know, being in a situation and, and having to respond because it's a necessity. Yeah. So I, I think that that's one area. I think digital adoption just in general has, has taken a significant leap. And if you look at the industries, you know, I, that I work in, um, you know, healthcare, uh, financial services, online retailers, those industries, adapted quickly or had the platforms already in place, mm. you know, they, they were able to use their technology, their digital technology and digital footprint, um, you know, pretty easily. Whereas, you know, all things equal, I think if you look at companies reporting the biggest revenue hits, they were probably behind their peers in digital adoption, yeah. adoption and those types of things. Yeah. I mean, the companies that had the building blocks for this already, it was just kind of like, it lit a fire under them, but you know, you, I've seen these companies that just really didn't even start to adopt even some of the, like the direct to consumer stuff and they're just getting burned, unfortunately. That's right. Yeah. And, and we've, you know, we've seen in addition to that, you know, everybody going to work from home, there's, there's cyber, you know, concerns and, you know, mm. um, all those other things that come out of this too, that, that we've been involved with. And then you also go back and you look at, you know, the, the, business continuity and like, how do you, how, how can you be resilient in this type of situation? And there's, there's been a lot of key takeaways, I think that companies here in Pacific Northwest has had as, as a result of this. Well, let's dive into that risk part. Cause you know, it's something, you know, I don't work for a big company, but you know, I've seen when I see them, everybody's working from home for a big company. I just back my mind. I'm like all these security and risk, you know, what's, how are they handling that is in the background. So, what are some best practices companies can have 
for that? Yeah. Maybe you can share or some advice. Yeah, well, the companies that were able to adapt quickly had, you know, a disaster recovery process in place. They were able to, you know, essentially implement that plan and, and move to a remote workforce pretty quickly. Um, you know, the companies that did, you know, various scenarios of, on this area, like, how, you know, typically you were doing it if there was an earthquake or, you know, something yeah. and all our employees had to work remote. But um, in this in this situation, right, it's, it's just because of the the pandemic, we, we were all working from home. So companies that had that infrastructure and the technology in place and and knew what to do and they were they were thoughtful mm -hmm. at the time, you know, before the pandemic and getting those processes in place, were able to adapt really quickly. Mm -hmm. I, I remember getting calls from a number of different clients, um, you know, and, and companies here in the Pacific Northwest. And and once they had to work from home, they couldn't go back into the office. You know, at that point, it was already too late, right? I mean, they, mm -hmm. yeah. they were responding. Um, you know, and trying to, you know, triage the situation as opposed to be, being in the, the forefront. Yeah. Yeah. And see even all the, the different platforms everybody's expected to be on. I mean, we're on Zoom now, but I know, you know, every employer has their platform of choice. But if you do something external, I, I know people who are like, I can't use Zoom. My company doesn't allow me to. So it's, it's, it's getting around that, too. And how do you how do you manage that for all the employees? So, yeah, it's, um, you know, IT across organizations have had a, a tall order and that's one of the areas where um, you've seen you know a lot of growth I think too you've seen um, you know IT shops now are able to to do all this remote and um, and it's been pretty eye-opening um, how quickly you know companies have been able to respond to this and and how successful a number of companies have been able to respond to this yeah yeah it's been it's been pretty wild and how how used to it we are now but what are some like for you and your team, some maybe pitfalls, pitfalls of just this whole remote work. And I mean, there's, it's beneficial in a lot of ways. We were talking before we started recording, we both have young kids. So I always go on about how hard that can be, but with, as far as working uh, with them uh, nearby. So what are some yeah. other challenges? Well, I think there's, I mean, the biggest thing that I, that I talk to my team with is the blending of our, our work and home balance, right? And it's hard to, to know where to draw the line and, and a lot of people because they're working in the same spot that they they eat they sleep um you know it's just you you feel like you're always on you're always yeah. working yeah and so that's a, that's a real issue hmm. and i think being proactive and, and thoughtful about that you know having a dedicated workspace um you know having an ergonomic workstation hmm. those types of things go go a long way and and you know being mindful of that for example we gave a thousand dollars to all of our employees wow. to to buy ergonomic furniture to put towards their home office with, with that intent. And, and so being thoughtful in those types of things, I think makes a, a big difference. And then, um, you know, I go back to, as I, I, I debrief with my team and the, you know, the, the one person, you know, sharing, like I assume positive intent in our meetings and, and those things, I mean, just giving people the benefit of the, of the doubt, um, to, you know, over communicating this type of, of work style. Yeah. It's, very important. Yeah, that's great. You gave the the stipend to to employees. I bet they really appreciated it. And hopefully, no one just took it and bought like a hundred inch TV or whatever. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. but I'm sure you know to have the proper setup is is really great. So, well, what's kind of the future for KPMG here locally? Um, are you continuing to grow? Are you you know through all this growing? And I know it sounds like not to pile on the questions here, but you were kind of a product of starting with them young. I, and 
you know, I know KPMG kind of has a reputation for really developing and training, you know, people to start in you know, the tax practice and, and on. So uh, I'm curious about that and, and for any folks that might be listening that are starting their careers or. Yeah. And so as I, as I, I mean, as I look at our audit tax and, and advisory practices, all three service lines have, have grown through, you know, since, since I've been here. And I mean, if I, I don't know the, the statistics off the top of my head, but I think of the top 10 public companies in Oregon, we audit seven of them. You know, we provide tax services to, you know, the, the premier companies of, of Oregon and, and the same with, with our advisory practice. So I, you know, I, I fully expect we'll continue, you know, to, to grow and we'll, we'll continue to be there and working with our clients. I think one of the cool things about what we do in this, this type of work is it's always changing yeah. and you, you don't know what's going to, you know, what's going to happen, what's coming up mm-hmm. and, um, and just being able to, to pivot and, you know, you, you may get a phone call and, and there's an opportunity that you can, you could jump on and those, those single phone calls can change your career and your, your entire outlook. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I can imagine and some of even like the risk and tax stuff. <laughs> There's like new new regulations every day. That would that would drive me crazy. But uh, well, I, I want to talk to you a couple about a couple more things. I know I'm just looking through your LinkedIn and seeing a couple other things that you 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 teach, right? That's right. You've t- you instructed some courses like OSU and maybe even PSU. Um, you know, you're 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 fairly young, and it sounds like you started to do that not too long ago, or maybe a little longer. So how's that been? So the Something I, I think if I wasn't doing, you know, this as my, my primary career, I, I'd love to be a, a college professor and, and teach and, and get back in that um, in that way. And and I learned so much from, you know, just people that have been there, that have done, you know, that, that just had tangible experience. I, I feel, an, you know, almost an obligation to, to get back. And, it, and it's rewarding to, to do that. Um, you know, I, I love to go back to Oregon State, Portland State, University of Washington, and, and do those types of things. Cool. Yeah. And do you, uh, do you miss Southern Oregon at all? I do. Um, you know, it's it's really interesting. You know, we, we we talked about Portland and the changing landscape. You know, Klamath Falls, you know, my, my dad worked at the largest pine mill in the world, you know, that was that was down there. And just seeing the evolution of the industry and, and Klamath change over, over the time, right? It went from a timber town to... Gerald Wynn being, you know, it was the largest private company right. in Oregon for, for a period of time before they moved to North Carolina. And just seeing the change of, of you know, the business there and the industry there and, and how that all how that all evolved. And so I, I love Klamath and I, I love going back to Southern Oregon for sure. Yeah, I'm kind of curious to see how that area grows. I was just back in Grants Pass for Christmas and I always say, I just think it's a prime spot for for business to floor. So obviously you have like Dutch Brothers and some other stuff going on there. Lithia is down there. Um, but I'm, I'm really excited to see what happens because it's, it's affordable. It's more affordable than Portland. And I think there's a lot of growth down there to happen. That's right. The weather's great. Um, the fires um, are, are problematic now. Yeah. But, um, you know, there, there's so many great things going. The, you know, the outdoor recreation that, you know, Oregonians are accustomed to. It's fantastic down there. And, and you're right. We we have a Fortune 500 company down there in Lithia. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dutch Brothers has has been you know a phenomenal story for for Oregon and everything that they've done in Grants Pass. And so it's you know it's I, I think you're exactly right. Oregon and Southern Oregon has a lot of opportunity too. Yeah, I'm 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 excited to see it blow up. And there's a lot of creative you know entrepreneur people down there. Um, That's right. 
So uh, we'll see. Uh, what do you What do you think about the future of Portland as far as business and, and growing in the next few years? And um, I mean, you guys are still down in, in downtown Portland. It, obviously, a lot of people are not working in the office buildings right now, so it's uh, a little different. So yeah, what are, what are your thoughts? That's right. So I'm I'm optimistic about the future of business here in Portland and, and in Oregon in general, and I, I think that's true across every industry that we that we have here. Um, you know, I, I read somewhere earlier today that there's two, you know, we have a, a number of problems to deal with in our country, but there's there's two very solvable problems that we have, and, and it would make a, a, you know, very big difference. One of them is if we can get the vaccine to everyone, and then in addition to that, if we can, you know, get the 20 million Americans back to work that are unemployed right now. Yeah. And money is, you know, the cheapest it's ever been in America right now, and, and these can be solved with money. Mm. So. Once that happens, I'm I'm optimistic that Portland can come back and and every industry will come back. I mean, you'll see restaurants, you know, come back. You'll see the hospitality industry come back. Yeah. Manufacturing, uh, you know, Portland is so much going for it, and Oregon is so much going for it that when those two things happen, I I we're, we're resilient. We'll come back. Yeah, I'm a total optimist too. I've been saying, I mean, since the clock turned January one, I'm like, this is it. Yeah. Good things are gonna happen. And yeah. Well, we'll talk. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I, I lived in Ireland for a few years with KPMG in our Dublin office. They used to joke that um, as an American, I, I was the eternal optimist. And <laughs> I think that's true. So I think that's one thing that, that Americans have going for them is we, we look for the, the good in things and we're, we're generally optimistic folks. Totally. And I think Portland specifically is an optimistic bunch as well. That's right. Um, I don't know what that is, but I, I do love it. And so, well, Tim, thanks for hopping on. I uh, really enjoyed sharing your story, some of the work you you do and um, you know, looking forward to sitting down in person when we can. Yeah, well, thanks, Dan. I really appreciate it. The PDX Executive Podcast is a production of ThatCast, a Portland, Oregon podcast agency that partners with brands to create custom podcasts. You can learn more at thatcast.com. And please take a moment to subscribe and rate the podcast as well.